The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. Let's pray. God, what we don't know, teach us. What we do not see, show us. Make us, Lord. We humbly come before you in desperate need of your wisdom and your guidance. Open our hearts today. Protect our minds and our hearts from our lies that's going to come in to prevent us from hearing you. May you bless uh, Randall as he speaks. May the words that will come out of his mouth will come from you. Be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, good morning, everybody. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor of Grace City, and it's a joy to be with you this morning um, as we are in the middle of this Advent season. Uh, as we've talked about, Advent is this anticipation of an arrival. And so what we're celebrating here is there is an arrival that happened uh, 2,000 years ago when Jesus came into this world. And we also have this arrival that we get to uh, anticipate or look forward to when Jesus comes again. Uh, you know, this, this isn't it, uh, but there is um, great joy that we can take in knowing that, um, that this isn't it, right? That this isn't it. Because for many of us right now, it's, it's a challenge, there's struggles that we're facing. There's things that God only knows that you're going through right now. Uh, but I just want to encourage you today that there's hope in uh, God's word. There's hope in the good news of the gospel. And uh, so today as we study God's word, that's my hope for you is that you see that. And that becomes tangible for you. Um, now, as Brooke shared earlier, we are um, taking up this collection to... Um, to, to, to fulfill some of the needs that are, that are out there right now. And so uh, we're praying for God's provision in that, um, that $6,000 to help give away to, uh, to help Pastor Silas and their community of refugees, and then also to help in finding those motorbikes, getting those motorbikes in place so that the gospel can spread. Uh, but I think the cool thing, too, is that the, the, the community has come to us and said, hey, there's a need in our school and that they feel comfortable coming to the church and saying, hey, there are families that are in need here. Can you help? And uh, for our church to be able to, to help meet those needs. Um, so like I said, um, you know, th those are needs that are being met uh, through your giving. And so I appreciate that. And I'm thankful for, for that, um, that we're able to be a part of that. Now, um, our text today is from John 1, uh, 6 through 13. So thank you, A, for reading this morning. Um, and here's the message. Seeing God's child, becoming God's child. Seeing God's child, becoming God's child. You know, there was a group of people that were radically changed when they saw uh, the child. 
They saw Jesus. Um, you can find it in Luke 2, 8 through 12, and then 16 through 20. We'll look at that there. But I just want to read this for us to, to help us to grasp really what's happening here as we think about um, the, the Advent season. And here's what it says, starting in Luke 2, verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Then in verse 16, So they they hurried off and, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at that, at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So as we read this story about Jesus coming into the world, we find that Jesus came to the lowly, to the, to the lost, to the ones that were forgotten. If you know anything about the shepherds, the shepherds on the hierarchy of society were not very high. They were actually very low. But they see this child. They see Jesus, and they are radically changed by seeing and hearing the message of the good news of the gospel, that God has come to us, Emmanuel. It changes their identity. It changes everything about them so much so that when people saw them, they, didn't, they weren't just known for being these lowly shepherds, but they were known for the ones who, who brought this message. See, God was lifting up the lowly. And as we think about today this message, seeing God's child, becoming God's child, we need to understand this, that there is a battle in our society and there's a battle in you and me of this, to become a somebody. To become a somebody. To somehow, some way in our hearts and our minds to raise up the value of what we think we are. But I want to tell you today that you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to do that. But th- that it's when you see the child that God lifts you up. Wherever you're at, wh- whatever you're struggling with right now. I remember my friend Merlene. She's a, she, she's a fashion designer. And she made it all the way to uh, Project Runway season 14. She was a contestant on the show. So I remember as my family were gathering around the TV watching as Merlene each week was being graded on how well she did. And whether she was going to be able to stay on the show or get kicked off the show and all of the drama that was surrounding this show, if you ever watched Project Runway, it was just people were, were, were criticizing and tearing others down, but she never got caught up in that. And to this day, she's the same person. And here's this quote that she said. She says this. She says, Jesus dying on the cross for me is my gift. I get Jesus. 
She says, being a designer and being on Project Runway is just grace upon grace upon grace. It is what I get to do, not who I am. It's what I get to do, not who I am. So how is it that somebody can live like that? How is it that somebody can go into an environment like that, a pressure cooker like that, and come out saying, you know what, that's what I get to do. It's not who I am. And being on pressure, it was just grace upon grace. Doesn't make me a somebody that I was on a TV show. Today, that's what we're going to look at. What is that rock-solid foundation that she's able to stand on? That she's able to say that. See, as we jump in, what's the question? Well, the question is this. What does God desire for you to become? What's he desire for you to become? Here's what he desires. He desires for you to become his child. His child. Sounds pretty simplistic, right? But, but, but that's what it is. It's the simplicity of being his child. I remember my son, Kai, tell, asking me this question. He says, Dad, why do you always call me son? What does that mean? What's it mean to be your son? And I explained to him, I said, well, you know, like, it, it's this special privilege that, that you have that you're my child. The same thing with my daughters, like, the fact that they, they can come to me, they, that's my dad. There's a relationship there. See, what does it mean? It, it means deep intimacy. And today we think to ourselves, because we hear it all the time, you, you might be thinking, well, I thought that all of us were God's children. I thought that all of us were God's children. And in some sense, that's true. But here's the thing. We're all God's creation. You know, you're created with intrinsic value and worth, but, but not all of us are considered God's children according to this verse. See, in the beginning, the book of Genesis tells us that God created everything perfect. And so remember, John's book is taking us all the way back to Genesis 1. And in that book, it tells us that sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And what happens through their sin is that they, they have been stained by sin, but also separated from God. And yes, they're still God's creation, but the reality is that instead of being born as God's children, we are now born into sin and separation. We're born into a rebellion against our creator, against God. And so here's the thing, like the Bible is not written as like this bunch of rules that you got to go follow to try and be good enough to earn your way back into God's good graces. No, what it is, is this. It's, it's a much more desperate situation. See, the Bible is the story of God's rescue mission to save sinners. And so when we think about Advent, we have to think of it in that way, that there is a rescue mission that is happening here where God is entering into the darkness. It's a very desperate situation. This quote from D.A. Carson says this. He says, when John tells us that God loves the world, far from being an endorsement of the world, it is a testimony of the character of God. God's love is to be admired, not because the world is so big, but because the world is so bad. If Jesus is the savior of the world, 
That says a great deal about Jesus, but nothing positive about the world. In fact, it tells us the world is in need of a Savior. It's in need of a Savior. So if you've come here today and you think, man, there's something in me that's crying out, that's calling out, that says, I need a Savior, that's the tug of God. That's the pull of God in our heart. So John shares with us how to become what God desires for us, to be his children. And he starts with sharing a little bit of this highlight reel, if you will, about uh, John the Baptist. He starts there in, in verse 6, and he talks about how there was this man that was sent from God, John. And he was the one who prepared the way for Jesus to come, for the ministry of Jesus. And then John goes back into remembering his best friend, Jesus. Now, as we remember, as we've been studying John 1, there were previous verses to this, and, and John gives insight into Jesus before he entered the world. He told us that, that Jesus wasn't just a man, but he was the creator of all men. He was the creator of people. He's the creator of everything around us. And now as this gets further into John 1, he's not just sharing with us what he knew or what was before the world was created. He's starting to share with us what he had experienced personally. What he'd experienced personally. And so we're going to look at and really dive into specifically verses 12 through 13, and then we're going to talk a little bit uh, as we take, do the takeaways through the first part. But I want to read real quick verses 12 through 13. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so how do we become children of God? Well, there's three points here I want to make, and there are three words you can write these down. Receive, write, rebirth. Receive, write, rebirth. And so the first one is receive. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him who believed in his name. Now, the first thing that we need to understand this, and I say this all the time, but we need to remember it is this, that becoming a child of God is not earned, it's received. It's not earned, it's received. I was recently watching um, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan, greatest of all time, in my opinion, to play basketball. Um, but what we need to understand is this, that deep down in, in, in Jordan's heart, and he shares this in this documentary, which was like all about kind of like a deep dive into his life. And he says, you know what the biggest drive was for me? Was to earn my dad's love, admiration, affection, to be seen as valuable. You know, one of the things he talks about, his dad talked about in particular, he says, you know, actually, uh, Michael's brother, uh, older brother was a lot better than Michael at basketball. And so he kind of gave him the attention. He's like, you know, and he would kind of do a lot of the same things his dad would do. And so Michael didn't. And he's like, hey, Michael, you, you can go inside. I'm going to be with your other brother here. 
right? There's something that kind of rattles around inside of us that wants the affection, the attention, the love. What we're seeing here is that in that economy, what it is, it's all about earning. You're working for it. How can I relate to my parent, my father, whoever it might be, to get that love, that attention? But we see in God's economy, it's much different. Here's what it is. It's this, that God does not reject or receive or reject us based on our good or bad behavior. Us working our way to it. Did you do enough today? Doesn't receive us based on that. He tells us, he receives us based on whether we receive or reject his son. That's what the litmus test is. That's what the test is. Do I receive the son? Am I going to receive his son? Am I going to receive him just like the shepherds did when they saw him? And they celebrated and they told everyone about him. That's, that's the litmus test here as we look at scripture. This quote from uh, Timothy Keller says this. He says, there are two kinds of people that go to church. There's religious people and real Christians. This is a religious person is somebody who thinks they are putting God in their debt since they have tried so hard. A Christian is somebody who sees themselves as in God's debt. I, I couldn't have earned it. I couldn't have done it. There's no way. But God has given me immense grace to be called his, his child, his son, his daughter. Right? See, it's seeing God has done all the work in receiving. So let me ask, how good are you, how good are you at receiving? How good are you at receiving? Some of you are like, yes. I'm very good at receiving. <laughs> I love receiving things, you know. But when it comes to God, how, how good are you receiving? Because receiving takes humility. It takes humility. It comes against our pride, doesn't it? Uh, this week, my daughter Elle, she's getting really good at making food. And so uh, she was in the kitchen. And she was making some stuff. She was making some mac and cheese. She was getting everything set up. She got it all set up. She got the 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 uh, salad going. She got everything going. And her and her sister Ava, Ava starts setting up the table. Everything starts to happen. And then me and, and Laura are like, what's going on out there? And my wife, she she's like a go-getter. You know, she's the one that kind of gets things done. She keeps the house going. And I think there was like this moment that happened where we were sitting at the table and all the kids had done their, their part. And we're sitting at the table and, you know, it, it was a little chaotic, but I was proud of my wife. She said this. She says, I just want to embrace this. I just want to embrace this. She wasn't like trying to get up and take control and figure it out, but it was like kid, the kids were serving us. And it took some humility because as adults, we think we know it all. And we think we got it the right way to do things but they did a great job. And I want you to see that in, in many ways, like as God coming as a child, it really meets us in our pride. It calls us to humility and say, do you realize the humility that it took for the, the God of the universe to become a baby? His humility to us? And so for the shepherds to come to that place and start to worship a baby, 
Do you understand the humility that it takes to come to that place, to realize that God came as a baby for Mary and Joseph? See, receiving God in this vulnerable state that he willingly placed himself in takes a lot of humility. Here's what it says in Luke 1.31. It says this, as, as the angel came to Mary, said, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then the angel goes on to talk about how great Jesus is going to be. But for her to receive that, like, the great one's going to become a baby. Like, angel coming to me, telling me, as a baby. But do you remember Mary's response at the end? She says this. Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what that is? Receiving. Humility. God, you know more than me. I need to embrace this. And it comes through a child. The second point is the rights. Verse 12, he gave the right to become children of God. Now there's two parts here. The first part is, is this, that he gave. You want to know what Christianity is? You want to sum it up in two words? It's this, that he gave. <laughs> it's not that you gave or I gave, but it's that he gave. And so when, as we're talking about receiving God, it's this, understanding and, and believing that he gave. God gave. And the second part of this is this, that he gave the right to become. The right. Now this word for right can also be translated as privilege. As privilege. See, God gave the privilege to become his child. It's not something that we just assume. It's not just something that just kind of there it is. No, it's, it's that God has given us this, this right or this privilege to become his child. And so, let me ask, do you take that privilege of this identity, becoming a child of God for granted? Or do we say, see it as this great privilege? Because when you start to see it as a great privilege, just like my friend Merlene did as I was sharing that quote with you, as you see that as your privilege, like that is the privilege, that is, that is an honor to be called a child of God, a daughter, a son of the king. What happens is this, that it starts to change and rattle the foundations, the old foundations that are in your heart. You become a new person. See, when, you, when, you, when this becomes a reality, it's something that I can't do. A pastor can't do this for you. But it's something that God does inside of you. You have to see it as that it's a miracle. It's a miracle. See, it's a miracle that he's saved us, that he's made us his children. That is the highest privilege. Again, and kind of relating back to my kids, like the, here's the thing. My kids have certain privileges with me that other people don't have. Right? They have access to me that other people don't have. They're with me all the time. 
And so the fact is that you have access to the God of the universe. In a special and unique way is a, is a high privilege from God. The fact that we get to read his word, the fact that we get to pray, the fact that I have salvation. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. It's the fact that when you read this, you hear the thoughts of God. That God is just whispering these, these thoughts to you of like this is what life is about. And then we get those precious promises from him. See, God has given us this right, this privilege to become his children. It's a privilege. See, when we start to think about rights, we think about it, well, it's just something that I, 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 I should get. But this is translated as no. It's a gift. It's a gift. Lastly, it's rebirth. Look at verse 13 who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God. Right? It explains all the different ways we think about birth happening and all the different ways that this is, this is just kind of how it naturally happens. But you say, no, there's something of God that only God can do. And the fact that God came from heaven to earth to be with us is something only God can do still baffles people today. How could that be possible? How could that be real? And the same thing happens when he comes into our, our lives and we can say, you know what? I'm reborn. I'm a new creation. I'm a different person. Because in that moment, you are changed. See, God gives us a new life in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so I want to encourage you with that today, that, that that's the gift that God gives you and me, and he offers it to us. And then again, if there is that tug in your heart, like, hey, he's pulling me in this direction, and I've never done that before, that's a gift from him. That's something that he's doing. He's brought you here today. See, you're not the same person anymore, but you're a new creation in him. When you are born of God, you're transformed. You know, I love those Disney movies and kind of think back on all the diff different Disney movies I've watched and the, the girls love watching the Beauty and the Beast movie and there's funny scenes in there and, and, and whatnot and songs that they sing. But here's the thing that hits me every time as I sit there and watch it. I can't help but relate to the Beast many times. And the, the end is so powerful, right? It's like you know that the Beast is being transformed back into a person, a human being. But just how angry at the front he was, how mean he was, how, how abrupt he was, how inconsiderate he was. But then it, as he's starting to be changed by the beauty, right? He goes from being a beast to being a prince. And I think about that same thing and, and how it's true for you and me. And we think about the times where we're just so beastly, right? Like, I'm, I'm just like this. I see the things that are inside of me. 
Why did I do this? Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? But yet there's the beauty of God that comes into our life. And he changes us. He transforms us into children. So lastly, just some takeaways. How do we, how do we live as children of God? First, we have to go back. We've got to go back to verse 8. Here's what it says about John. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Here's the first encouragement to you as a takeaway. You have to understand this. Believe I am not the light. Believe I'm not the light. Right? Like in many ways, I'm stuck in darkness, but God is the light that shines into my life. See, John understood what he was and what he wasn't. He wasn't trying to be the Savior. He wasn't telling people he was the Savior. He's saying, no, I, I'm not the light. So there are going to be people that come to you that want you to be something. And they say, this is what the light is. I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you the light. <laughs> but it's believing I'm not the light. That actually changes us. It's starting there. I'm not the light, but I need the light. Second takeaway is this. Believe I am a witness. Look at verse seven. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. What was John's life about? He was just a conduit for the lights. He was just a witness, right? He was the one that was pointing. He says, I, my life is here to point to Jesus. And so it sounds very simple, but yet it's so profound. Is your life one that points to Jesus? Does it? Does it point to him and say, this is what my life is about? That when people see you, they hear about you, they say, man, that, that, that person, I might not even believe everything that they believe, but th at the end of the day, their life points to Jesus, something greater than themselves. See, I'm here as a witness. And last takeaway is this, believe I am sent. Believe I am sent. Verse six, there was a man sent from God. See, why is it that we say each week, Grace City, you're sent why is it that we encourage you like with this reality of, hey, I'm, I'm a sent person? It's because Christianity is not about sitting here in a park and just enjoying a worship service. It's about being a sent person in the everyday world and realizing that it's not just some special people that have this sending call, but it's every single one of us that call ourselves believers, that call ourselves Christians. I'm sent into the world. Again, for my wife and myself, what is our goal for our kids? Our goal is to send them into the world. Right? Like, for them, it's not, hey, when you're 40 years old, you're going to be hanging out at the house just living with us like same spot just gaming on the computer like my son does all the time no I, wa I, I want to prepare you to be sent out into the world 
The same thing is true. Like, what is Grace City all about? We're about raising you up and sending you out into the world because there's a world that needs Jesus. It's the world of people that are hurting right now, that are lost right now, that are feeling so disconnected. And for you to be a witness, to be one that points to the light, that is a light because Jesus is in you. So as we wrap up here, are you born of God? Have you been captured by his love? As you think on Jesus, have your senses just been overwhelmed by his love and his grace for you? Because that's John's intention as he's writing this. You see, you can become a a child of God because God became a child for you, for me. And he lived the perfect life. He died the death that we deserve and he resurrected from the dead. Friends, that's the gospel today. So he gave his life. You see, we are received because he was rejected. You know one of the saddest verses in this? It's John 1.11. For the people that should have recognized him, they didn't. Here's what it says. It says he came to his own and his people, his own people, did not receive him. God was rejected so that we could be accepted. And what does God desire for you to become? In that, he desires for you to become his child, his daughter, his son. And that that foundation is worth building your life upon. It's worth building your life upon. That's an identity worth keeping and saying, you know what? Even though this world might not say I'm a somebody, God does. And that's what matters. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that that truth today will change us, that as we see the Son, that we will see the greatest gift is becoming daughters, sons of the King, that that's a great gift that you've given us. It's a privilege. And I pray that we can live that out. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.